The other's gang, two sisters, both curious and strange. I like a duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. Welcome, boys and babes, to the Magic Hour podcast, a place where we navigate through life's peaks and valleys with all the vulnerability and shamelessness we can muster. With the help of world-class guests from all walks of life, we uncover new truths and valuable tools for manifesting our highest potential. I'm your host, Mercedes Terrell, along with my partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hey, you guys. I wanted to remind you that taking just a moment to rate our show five stars and leave us a quick review is the best way to help our show grow. So if you'd like to help us out and do that for us today, it would mean so much. Yes, we're actually putting together a list of people who've left us reviews that we can publicly thank on our social media pages because we want to shout you guys out. So make sure when you do leave us a review that you include your name on it so we can do that. Yes, we love you guys. All right, so today's show is all about manifesting and how exactly we can use certain universal laws to create our most ideal lives. Yes, which is why we're really excited to share with our Magic Mob today's guest, whom is a highly sought-after celebrity life coach who has developed an action-based approach to applying the seven essential laws of the universe to help people overcome their dependence on vices that are keeping them from living their best lives. She's a New York Times bestselling author who has three books under her belt, all of which she says she channeled audio buoyantly, by the way. Um, She says, we are all designed to have fulfillment of health and well-being, financial abundance, creative self-expression leading to success, and loving and supportive relationships. And she can help us get there. She's appeared on Today and The Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People Magazine, Seventeen, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, among others. As the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, she's helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through her empowerment seminars, speeches, and coaching sessions and products. With her latest book, Quantum Success, she's created a clear, accessible, and practical path toward aligning with what we want to bring into our lives and then gives us the tools for embodying the action needed to manifest it. I'm thrilled to learn from her today how we can create more space in our lives, experience more joy, and raise our vibration by consciously choosing what we attract and understanding that we are the source of all potential. Please welcome Christy Whitman to the Magic Hour. Yay. Thank you for having me. Hi. So excited to be with both of you. Yes, we're so excited to have Mm. you. Okay, so take us through your story, Christy, because it is really interesting. Um, Maybe just, you know, how you got to the work that you're doing today in being a manifestation coach. Well, you know, in my early 20s, I kind of checked the box of everything that I was told from like a young girl that would make me happy. And so I was living in Chicago, I was living in one of the greatest cities, and I was living in a brownstone with my best friend and had my health and well-being and, you know, felt really good about my body. I had a great career. I was making lots of money, lots of responsibility that I enjoyed doing and um, just having a great time. And yet check the box for all the things I I should be happy if I have this and this and this and kept finding myself in a place of not being fulfilled and felt 
in the, in the times in my quiet place of my mind where I just didn't feel connected. And so I started to search and started having that calling, that hunger for something more because there would be so many times where I'd be like, is this it? Is this what life's about? I mean, is this checking the box and accomplishing stuff? I mean, great. I've got money in the bank and I've got a career and you know, what else is there? And that led me to literally moving to California. Um, I was working for a wine company and I was dating long distance, a, a guy that worked with me. And so I moved there. And around this time, I was attracting a lot of uh, bad guys, I would say. And so I moved to California and he was the latest bad guy. He was the last bad guy. Like I bad boys? Dating. Bad they, boys, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was always we, we know that drill. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the lure was, but I'm glad I got over that. Um, but it's interesting. While I was there, within a month, I found out he was cheating on me. And mm. so um, I, the only person I had met through him was a hairdresser. And so I remember I needed to get my hair cut and I went to go see Janine and I'm sitting in her chair and she had, I didn't have the language for this then, but it was like, she was different and she had a, a joy about her. She mm. had a way about mm. her. And I just kept watching her in the mirror. She's cutting my hair and she's talking and just being as blunt as I am after listening to her and she's cutting my hair. I'm like, okay, what do you do? Yeah. And she just started laughing because she knew exactly what I meant, but I didn't know. I mean, there was something. And, and she says, well, I do meditation and I have a spiritual teacher that I work with. And I'm like, I'm going to need to get her number. It was yeah. just like, I, I, you know, it was like that Harry met Sally. Wow. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I want what she's having. Yeah. Right? So I was dialing Melanie's number as I was leaving the salon and I found myself within days sitting in front of Melanie and, you know, I'm, I'm not a woo woo girl at this point. I, I mean, I, I wasn't into crystals and, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So I walk in her house and there's all these statues of angels and these crystals and it was like, where am I? What am I doing? And so I sat down with her and the first thing she said to me is, you create your own reality. Mm. Now, over 20 years ago. This is internet. Everybody talking about manifestation. The secret was out. I mean, this is a long time ago. There wasn't books. If they were, if there were books, they were like hidden in the, you know, bookstores or in the witchy area. Right. (laughs) Right. So it wasn't common knowledge. Taboo too. Yeah. Right. She said this to me. There was a part of, I feel like I just woke up and I went, yes, that's true. And then, but then my next question was, well, how? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, by your thoughts, you're either repelling things from you or you're attracting things to you. Mm-hmm. And again, I settled with that and went, how do I, I know this to be true? Mm-hmm. I don't know how. And then it was like, well, how? And so she gave me an assignment. She said, I want you just to go into your own life and watch your thoughts. I want you to really pay attention to what you're thinking about and do those thoughts good. So I started paying attention to the thoughts and what also occurred to me was attention to my thoughts. They're my thoughts. They're real. Mm-hmm. And what I had to learn was, no, they're not real. They're just something I've been thinking or something that I was programmed to think and that I could actually challenge those thoughts and change into something that actually feels better, mm-hmm. which was a total concept to me because it was like, thoughts aren't real. What, what, what do you mean my thoughts aren't mm-hmm. real? They're, of course they're real. I'm thinking And so I started paying attention and I was realizing how critical and judgmental and condemning 
I mean, of myself, of everybody else, of God. I was in a boxing ring with God. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a shocker to pay attention to what was actually going on in my head. And as soon as I started to shift my thoughts and I started practicing and started focusing on really what I want my thoughts to be, everything started shifting in my life. It was like I went through just a complete warp of a different reality. And um, about five years in to doing this work, I attracted, you know, a really, really nice guy, ended up marrying him. It was an eight-year relationship with him. Created my ideal body, money in the bank, you know. All of a sudden, I had this channeling, this download of a book. Um, that was my very first called perfect pictures. Mm -hmm. And, um, this book led me to getting the book published. And then I had the book published and my friends and family all bought it who necessarily were not the ideal audience. <laughs> for it. Mm -hmm. My family was all like, okay, she's gone crazy. Um, <laughs> what is she talking about? Your thoughts create reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started speaking in actual books and in like, you know, new thought churches and people constantly were asking me, now this is 19 years ago, people mm -hmm. asking me, well, do you coach? Mm -hmm. And my frame of reference for a coach was right. a football coach or it's yeah, totally a yeah. coach, right? And they were like, no, like a coach. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but call me. And I think people move through energy and working with energy and shifting their thoughts and doing that. And I loved doing that. And I could, and they were calling me back. And, oh my God, everything's changed. Mm -hmm. Attracted this, I did this, and um, so I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time, making great. And I'm like, God, how could I do this, right? Yeah. And there, back then, there wasn't anybody teaching coaches how to build a business, right? Because it it was very, it was in its infancy, mm -hmm. and so I just kind of figured it out. I went and got certified, and um, kept kept saying yes to this. And 13 years full time in my business and haven't looked back. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, I, your story brings up a question for me about your own family background with religion. And you said you were in the boxing ring with God and such. So I can imagine, especially 20 years ago, whenever this was definitely taboo and not, you know, on the, seems like now it's fairly getting mainstream. The word manifest is getting very mainstream. Um, what how did you decide to go against probably uh, tons of fears that were in your body at that time to go even and venture into this woman's home, you know, with the, the angels everywhere and the, the crystals everywhere and into this realm that is so different from what you had probably grown up under. And what did you grow up like when it comes to I was, I was raised Catholic. My parents went to uh, church every single Sunday. I got confirmed. I mean, it was like Catholic. Yeah. And, and nothing wrong with the Catholic religion. For me, it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I found moments of connection and spirituality there, but I was just really looking for a connection. And um, I grew up just, you know, I know all Catholics don't, but I grew up thinking that there was some gods on a judging me for everything I did. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was ingrained in me that, you know, I needed to save myself for marriage. And when I didn't, I figured, well, I messed that up. I might as well go the other way. So I went and total and did mm -hmm. drugs. You know, it, it just was like smoke cigarettes. I mean, it, it, I went the same, you know, awesome. good, good girl, Catholic girl, gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, that was, that was my, that was my religious background. I really felt like I had to constantly prove myself and mm -hmm. that I had to, um, you know, 
that something and someone I was always judging me, which is not the case. And it's interesting. You asked that question about how could I like go against the grain like that? And how could I go to this woman's house when that wasn't what I was used to? It's kind of like what I'm going through right now in my, um, in my career, my business is that I'm now full on channeling. I channel mm-hmm. a, a group of being called the council. And just like back then, just like now, because it feels so right and because it feels so natural and it, it just feels now step, I just trusted it and I followed it. So it's funny because back then when I became a coach, it was like, people are like, who are you to give people advice? I'm like, that's not what coaches do. Mm-hmm. Now people, it is coaching or mainstream. Mm-hmm you know, the secret and manifesting is more mainstream. And now here I am again on the outskirts of channeling. Yeah. So, but it, it, Mm. it just, I just always followed what felt right and what felt like truth because that felt better to me than what I learned and what didn't feel like truth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was, it's really cool that you must have had a place in yourself or, you know, according to your conditioning, um, in your, your early upbringing that allowed you to even look under, you know, the look under the lid of what, what else is out there, look into Pandora's box, because I think a lot of people, especially in the Catholic religion, but really any, any religious practice, um, that says you, you, if your faith wavers, you're going to hell, you know, we don't want to look anywhere else except for into our faith. Okay. Dive deeper into this faith, but um, a faith meaning pra- uh, religious practice, I guess I'm using those right. words interchangeably. Right. Um, so that's cool that you had that, that moment. Cause for me, it was, I did grow up in a Catholic upbringing as well. And it, there's so much fear uh, around reaching anywhere else. And it, then it angered me when I found some things that felt true to me later, like you're explaining. And I felt like, why did you guys basically <laughs> obstruct me from being able to see anything outside of this, you know, like it just doesn't seem fair. I want to make my own decisions if we're here with free will, if that's your belief in the Catholic religion, that that's what we're here doing, then you didn't give me mine. Anyways, mm-hmm. I've yes. released that. Well, it, isn't that interesting though, is that one thing that we all agree on, and that is a spiritual truth, is that we do have free will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet we, the humans who are constructing the practice sometimes take that away from us. So yeah, it is all, that's such an interesting um, sector. But, so I want to go into you, with you about this, this channeling though, because something um, we do focus on this show uh, quite a bit now, it seems, is psychic abilities, intuitive abilities. Um, and we've had Paul Selig on the show a couple times now who has channeled, I don't even know, I think it's like seven or eight books that are bestsellers. You know, this guy is very prolific um, or his spirit guide's very prolific. I don't know which way you want to say it. So for you, how does the channeling work for you? How did it come about? Um, well, like I said, it was a progression, right? Mm-hmm. And and it all came about because I kept saying yes to it. So when my first book came out with Perfect Pictures 19 years ago, do you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't hope it's not me. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, for me, it was, I, I got a, a vision of a book. And then that night at 104 in the morning, I had someone talking to me. So I could hear this voice and I couldn't stop it. Got up and then my hand became not my own. 
Mm-hmm. Um, every book I've ever written, mm-hmm. Art of Having It All, Quantum Success, I mean, has always been like oh, a tap on the shirt, like three o'clock in the morning or whenever. Yeah. At, at, like Quantum Success, I was in the middle of a mission on a cruise ship with my family. I had nowhere to go, but it was like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I grabbed my journal and my pen and went into the bathroom. I stacked up, um, you know, uh, towels under my butt and Uh I just, you know, you know, kind of thing. And so when it comes, it comes. And so, um, I I had kind of resisting. The only thing I really resisted is that when I worked with clients, when I worked in group settings, I would do energy work with people and I could do healing work with people. And a lot of my clients were getting, were getting healed and, releasing a lot of stuff. And so I kind of about four years ago kind of came out of the closet that, you know, I'm not just a coach energy healer and let my folks know, my parents know about it and more of my friends know about it. And it wasn't just something that I was being just for my, you know, special clients. As soon as I did that and opened more to that, then they started communicating more with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, in, Beginning of 2018, they started telling me, we want you to create healing workshops and we want you to create sacred circle of light. And so I'm like, I have always been obedient. I'm not an obedient person, but to them, I am obedient. Uh-huh. And so I created this sacred circle of light. I had about five women instantly join and they just showed up. They get whatever they could have had a five mother-in-law or an issue with their daughter and they just show up and they clean their energy. Well, this one particular day, and I'll never forget the date, and I didn't know it at the time, but it's the same date as my younger son's birthday, September mm-hmm. 17th. Uh, this woman was talking to me, and all of a sudden, instead of hearing that very, very clear voice, it was like nine of them were talking to me all at once. And I'm like, oh I can't hear, I can't. My consciousness went, like it just went out. And I would have bet you, I have that my body over the chair and just stayed there because I remember hearing it, but I remember feeling like I was humped over the chair like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was aware of what happened. They were all crying like, oh my God, it was incredible. I was crying like, that's never happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And then I got the recording back and I'm still, and my eyes were closed and I have an accent and I was like, Um, but I could hear it. And then, so I just kept inviting it and I started doing it with my husband and I started doing it with my kids and, and it just, and then my clients bring them back in, you know, every Mm -hmm. Monday. So Mm -hmm. it's developing and developing. Now I go the way out, they come in. I don't even remember what happens. I just know that they're going to come in when I invite them in and they're always there. I hear them. I get messages from them. Um, but it's just, it's just such a gift and I'm so grateful. Did you worry, um, at first or did the thoughts ever come in your mind at first that you may be crazy or maybe going crazy or that (laughs) this was like schizophrenia or did it feel so much like what's light and what's true that that didn't happen for you? No, it was, it it definitely was not scary at all. And Mm -hmm. I, I definitely was going crazy because here's the thing. It, when I look now at my whole spiritual journey, my conscious spiritual journey, because we're always having a spiritual journey, mm-hmm. uh, my first teachers were channeled beings. Mm-hmm. So know, it wasn't I, new I, to you at all? No. Mm-hmm. And and even Abraham Hick were part of my teacher right. experience, mm-hmm. you know, and 
So it's like all along when I look back, it's like I've always worked with channelers because, you know, humans yeah. themselves are great coaches and stuff, but I needed a depth of information mm-hmm. and shifting that energetic wise that yeah. I couldn't get from a human. So it almost makes sense that mm-hmm. I'm now channeling. And I'm sure it also um, made a difference who your loved ones were, how open they were to that being a gift of yours and it not being something that... Um, uh, was too foreign for them. Yeah. I mean, my husband still, we did a channeling exercise yesterday because I had oh, some wow. questions. Yeah. And so we'll sit together. And then afterwards I go, is this, is it weird for you that your wife channel Because it's amazing and it's still weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's weird when I see a recording of myself, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, all of my best friends, um, whenever I do any type of healing work that doesn't make sense or whenever I have visions, um, they don't make me feel like I'm weird, but they, um, they don't pretend to understand it either, you know? So, um, so it, it's, it's an interesting feeling. It is, it is. And you know, the more I'm open to it and the more I'm accepting of it, um, the more I know who I can talk about it with. And that's Mm -hmm. just where it's like, I'm being called now uh, this time to just really, um, almost let go of Christy, the coach and just show up as Christy in the council. Mm. Yeah. And I think right now we're seeing such a shift, you know, in the world, you know, where you could feel more safe having that be part of your global message. I mean, by being on podcasts and by, you know, this is your work now. So you are doing it on a global scale um, since anyone can technically access these facts about, you know, <laughs> this is part of your life. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really beautiful that we are allowing that type of intuition to live and thrive and come into our lives instead of rejecting. Yeah. There was a time where people with this gift would be stoned. So exactly. It would be really cool if we can uh, talk to the spirit guides through you, the council. Yeah. Through you at the end of the show. So maybe we can can ask some questions at that point. Yeah. All right. So for now though, you've worked with universal laws for 20 plus years, I think, as you just mentioned, and, um, you've chosen seven specific laws to focus on. So first of all, what are those laws and why those seven? So great question. Yeah. These are the seven that I really find is essential. I I equate it to knowing the rules of the game. I say that if, you know, you were a brand new, never seen baseball before, right? And your friend says to you, hey, let's go play baseball. And you go to the field and hands you bat and says, okay, that person's going to pitch the ball to you. You have to hit it with the bat and then run, right? And they pitch you the ball and you hit the ball and they're like, run. And you don't, you run to third base. You don't know where to run to. Right. It's like, how successful are you going to be at playing mm-hmm. this game? So I feel like the seven essential laws, I mean, I know there's more seven. Um, these are the ones that are super essential for anybody to learn. And there's one in particular, which is not law of attraction that I'll, I'll get into, but I'll just list them and I can do hours and hours and hours on talking of this. But um, the law of attraction, most people have known about, it's the secret, what you give out comes back. To even start that conversation, what I've learned from counsel, obviously at a deeper understanding, is that we are receivers and we're transfers. We are always in some kind of receiving mode. Right now is a particular important time to understand what are we under the influence of? Are we under under the influence of media and the fear and the frantic and the panic and what's going on? That energy can be what we receive 
or we could be receiving energy from our higher divine source, which is always flowing pure positive energy. So we're always in receiving mode. Our cells have receptor sites on them. All trillions of them are just receiving energy all the time. So first of all, we're receiving energy in, and then we're giving energy out, transmitting energy out. And we do that by the thoughts that we think, what we say, the words we use, emotions we have, beliefs that we have, perspectives, actions we take. Those are ways that we transmit it. So as we're transmitting out from our own individual physical beingness, that energy is being matched by law of attraction. Now, there's nothing to do with law of attraction. Law of attraction just like a mirror where the other laws are where you have to, as the free willed individual that we're talking about have to apply. So the second law of deliberation, and that is where we have to understand that because whatever vibration we're giving out, it's coming back. That's for every person all the time. We have to choose our thoughts. That's where that time in front of Melanie, when I'm like, what? I, I can choose my thoughts. I can actually choose my emotions, how I react and respond to this. What? You know, so actually, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter if the bill comes in, you weren't expecting to, you know, to have come in and you don't have the money for it, or you lose a loved one, or you break up in a relationship or something in the world is happening. We have the opportunity to choose how we're going to think about it, where we're going to align, what we're going to feel, what we're going to say, what we're going to do. And because with that, we're then instead of just being reactionary, Mm -hmm. we're being deliberate in what we're choosing and then therefore being deliberate in the vibration we're giving out that law of attraction, that vibration that we want to experience. Are you able to look at people and know what they're putting out? Is that part of your channeling? You are? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, That's what's amazing about the council is that they do healing work too. So it's not just information Look at people that can, you know, they'll, so as they're talking, they'll say, okay, this is, it's just incredible. They'll go, when you were three and a half years old, imprint here. And the person's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, that was when I. Maybe that's a good place to start. You could just tell us, um, since it's applicable to this question, what, what you see us putting out, what type of, um, frequency or energy or, um, projection or whatever. What do you think? Um, from me or the council? Uh, the council or how are, yeah. However yeah, you see I, it. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we could do it from the council and we get okay. to that part. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Just, just ask that question to them and then mm-hmm. they'll answer it. Um, so it's whatever frequency or vibration we're giving mm-hmm. out is the law of deliberate creation. And then there's the law of allowing is, are we allowing in the connection with our self or are we And a lot of times the block, imprints that we have, um, where we've closed our hearts down, where we haven't processed emotions, that's where we're in that place of restriction and we're not allowing the energy to flow. So we're not in space of allowing. The one that I, the universal law built most of my career on that, that was the biggest for me to understand is the law of sufficiency and abundance. And that's the fourth law. Mm -hmm. That's the law that when you look at everything from a spectrum, on one side of the spectrum, you have lack. On the other side of the spectrum, you have abundance. The truth of who we are is abundant. The truth of who the divine self is that breathes us is abundant. But most of us have imprints and programming lack. So the spectrum, where, where the tipping point is, is finding that place of satisfaction, finding that place of 
for positive aspects, having gratitude and appreciation for what is and what you have, not being over the moon excited about it, but at least Mm -hmm. being in that satisfaction pocket. And that really is important to apply because lack always feels bad and it's always good. So you know where you are in any given subject. Are you perspective of love or abundance? And shifting that, it evokes the law of deliberate creation, the law of allowing, of course, law of attraction, all the other laws. So the fifth law is the law of pure potentiality, which is the truth of our universe is pure potential. It's energy that's seeking itself into some type of form. The universe is creative. The dance is creative. We are a creator. We're always wanting to um, move energy, and energy wants to become. That's why we're always, when you think about it, we're always transitioning from moment. We're always in a state of becoming something. And so when we are connected to pure potentiality, we feel good. We feel that natural flow, mm-hmm. the resistance, right? Um, the sixth law is the law of detachment, that when we're flowing energy to something, it's very common as a human being to want it to be that specific form, that specific guy, that specific whatever. And we have to know that when we have pure reality, we have an unlimited potential for anything, whether we're wanting to feel freedom or abundance, more avenues and ways for what we're desiring to come to us. But if we're attached to that one specific form, creating some kind of resistance around it, it can flow to it. The last and final one is the law of um, polarity. And that is that every subject is two subjects. Like we were talking about, about lack abundance, right? Contrast. So, yes, exactly. So whenever you find yourself in contrast, there's the clarity of what you do want. When you find yourself in lack, there's the abundance of that. And so when you can recognize that, even though we might see ourselves in a situation that we don't want to be in, where we're fearing, feeling fearful, what is the polar opposite? Mm-hmm. And start vibrating and connecting with that. And that's on the side of the pole because that's going to then create what we do want and attract to us what we do want and what mm-hmm. we don't. Is, is so much of this almost sounds like it's about finding balance in each of those laws in a sense. It's about being able to recognize the things that are going on around you and create a story of those things are actually working for you instead of coming at you or, you know, or happening to you um, so that it can be a positive in that light. And then the piece about uh, polarity seems so much about finding balance and, and knowing that you can kind of do that in any moment because there's always an opposite to whatever is occurring that you can move toward if you need it, if you need to do that in order to have more positive experience. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's really about coming back in alignment because mm-hmm. the, because alignment and where we're, what we're made of, the very breath that's breathing us, that's mm-hmm. beating hearts, that's bloods is, is in alignment with pure positive energy. And when we, the human are not disconnected from it. So it's really about coming back in alignment with that, that is real. It's what, which is really true. Mm. I have so many questions around that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because it is, it's true. I'm having such a, and this is something I would ask 
ask uh, your council, the council later, maybe again, just to see what their voice is on it. But I'd love to ask you, you know, right now, I feel like I'm having so much of a, like a crisis of identity because I'm coming up against um, all these places that I feel like I sold myself a false bill of goods or I created a potential, I projected a potential onto my romantic partner, onto my um, career path, onto my, all, all facets of my life, really. And I feel like I've been doing that my entire life. And I'm just now realizing how my entire life is a sandcastle. You know, it's like a, a house of cards, like just it's built on bullshit. Like what's the foundation here? <laughs> um, and so I'm trying to regroup and figure out what is real and what is substantial enough to sustain me through this trying time where I have to re-identify, you know, what, where I have to reconfigure what's going on. I think a big piece of that comes from my tendency to uh, reside in my masculine. Um, and there's a lot of you know reasons that I've dug up that the source of why I do that. And I've lately been trying to actively call in more of my feminine side, more of my femininity. So it's pretty, you can understand and connect the dots of how that would cause this giant uprisal of identity crisis, you know? Like well, I'm it's trying to be someone else. Yeah, well, you know, it, when you think about it, most of our lives that we're programmed, we're coming from our desires and our wants and our goals and our accomplishments and all those things from a personality perspective. Yeah. And, and a lot of times those desires come from trying to fix a wound or coming from the pain body or coming from a place where um, we're, we're wanting people to like us because we don't feel enough or we're wanting to get something from a partner because we're lacking in something. And so the personality own is desiring mm-hmm. when we get the thing that we get, it doesn't feel fulfilling. Right. And so it gets to a point where it's like, you know, potato chips taste good, but they're not fulfilling you. Right. Right. So you get to a level where asking where you're wanting more depth and dimensionality part of you, like the high dimensions of you want what you want from a different level of asking and a different level of desire. And we just get to a point in our lives where it's like, well, this stuff's just not doing it for me anymore. It's not fulfilling me and I'm tired of going after it. So who am I really, what am I, what is really going to fulfill me and feel satisfying? That's coming and in, in, in introducing you that bigger dimension. You know, when, what I wrote about in quantum success is who we know ourselves to be, all that we've been through, all of our wounding, our pains, our successes, our triumphs, that's only 4% of who we really are. The 96% is the divine, is the is non-physical, multidimensional part of us that's breathing us, that's connected to us. Mm-hmm. And when you start to realize that, you know, the desires I'm having are bigger than that 4%, there is a shift that has to happen in a, in a like you're saying, it's almost like a, who am I? Mm-hmm. And a re-identification of who am I and what do I want? What's this about? How did you come up with 4%? Actually, um, studied in quantum physics. Okay. That is, you know, who we are is actually about 4% of really who we are. It's, it's that, that very physical limited part of us. The me ninety part. Hmm. Yeah. 96% is who the, I mean, hundred percent is who we really are, but it's right. like, you know, when we need, we drop these bodies, that fullness of who we are goes back to, to non-physical. Mm-hmm. Right. And and yet energetically we still exist. Yes. Oh, so it's a lot to take in. 
It's a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a lot to, you know, figure out how to integrate, you know, of course, first of all, you just drop seven universal laws that are like these new labels that we have to figure out. Okay. How do we define them? How do we, you know, go about dissecting them and then applying them to our lives and making this whole integration happen? And of course, that's a giant process. That's why you have an entire, you know, coaching uh, workshop on it. So. Yes, uh, I have a lot of information out there. That's why I always, yeah. people always, people always ask me, okay, you just, like you said, you just drop these seven bunch of laws. Just yeah. that alone. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we implement this? And, you know, just like I sat in front of Melanie and went, how, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, a free program that I created because I get this question all the time. It's called watch your words. You, mm-hmm. Everybody could go to watchyourwords.com. If you just start paying attention, have a conscious awareness of and an understanding of what words you're saying. I did a 30 day program of a word or a phrase a day of why you don't want to say it, why, you know, what the reason is that you want to shift it, how it's pulling down your energy and yeah. what you want to say instead. Because mm-hmm. watching your words, when you think about it, okay, so you probably were aware of the Bible if you're Catholic, right? In the beginning, there was the word, mm-hmm. right? Our words are our wands. When you think about thoughts, they're made up of words. Thoughts thought over and over again create our beliefs. We create our lives based on our beliefs, and all of it starts with our words. So, if you're going to try to get your mind around all of this, start simple and start from the basics of watching watching your words. Absolutely. Um, your hair is for some reason touching your microphone, so we're hearing a little scratching. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Can you move that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's, that's, yes. I don't know why it sometimes does it. Sometimes it picks it up. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, so, I wanted to say that on that. So, um, it reminds me of, uh, Dom Miguel Ruiz's book, the four agreements, which is the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. Um, and I think that's so it's, it's a, it's great that you bring up vocabulary and how important it can be in adjusting or realigning your ability to manifest what you want into your life, because it is, first of all, a digestible, you know, concept is a digestible tool to just change our language. And off of that, I wanted to ask of these seven laws, is there one that you suggest people focus on first or primarily? Yes. The law of sufficiency and abundance the law of sufficiency and abundance pulls all of them together. Because as you are applying and understanding where are you thinking in lack versus where you're thinking in abundance on any given subject, whether it's money or a partner or your career or your health and well-being, if you're feeling bad about that subject, you're in lack. Mm-hmm. And understand that you're feeling bad about that subject because the thoughts that you're thinking, the words that you're saying, the emotions that you have, and that you have the ability to shift. You have the ability to not necessarily go all the way from lack to abundance, but you at least have the ability to find in this moment the positive aspects of your money, of this situation, of what's going on right now in the world, of anything. We can find positive aspects. And as we start to take our own free will and focus on what's good and right instead of what's bad and wrong, now we're in that place of satisfaction. Now we're in that tipping point of abundance. And when we're vibrating in that space of abundance, we're vibrating abundance. It's coming back to us. We just applied deliberate creation because we're deliberately choosing that. We're in that space of abundance. We founded. We're in an allowing space. Mm-hmm. We're detached. We're in the field of potential, pure potentiality, and we're now on the polar side of you know abundance. So it, 
when you effectively apply law of sufficiency and abundance, you are applying all of them. Oh, yeah. Makes it easier than trying to figure out seven of them. (laughs) At once, yeah. And then then once you get that, like you're saying, it all starts falling together. It all starts coming together and and makes it a lot easier, I think, to pick up the rest. So I like that. Cool. And of course, reading your book helps. <laughs> Taking your stuff helps. It does. Yeah. Very good. All right, Jade, you're... So we've, and you've talked about manifestation a couple of times already. Um, you know, we all now have our own ideas of what that word means, but since that likely varies from person to person, can you define manifestation in your own terms? Yes. So for me, it's really interesting because the dictionaries don't even define what really manifestation is when you look up the word manifestation. Mm -hmm. Manifestation is what is becoming. It's a manifestation. And a lot of people think, well, it's a manifestation is what you physically have. I manifested the man. I manifested the bar, the pile of money. Manifestation is so much more than that. If you can feel the energy of success or feel the energy of joy, that's a manifestation. Mm. It's an experience of something. And so whether it's a non-physical manifestation, if you are experiencing it like a feeling, if you're thinking a thought, a thought is a manifestation. So it's what we experience, whether it's non-physical or immaterial or material and physical. Mm. Okay. okay. And it's a good way to navigate that. You, so you have also, you know, your book, you brought up quantum success that seeks out how to go about calling in your ideal life on a quantum level. Could you explain that? I, that's, I don't understand at all. (laughs) So could you explain what quantum science is and how it plays into manifestation? Yeah. So quantum success is really being able to tap into energy because if if you take perspective that 4% of who we are, most people are functioning from their 4%. They Mm -hmm. taking, they're taking action, right? They're doing action and doing things they're creating success and they're creating more of a linear success. When you start tapping into energy that fuels that feeling of success and you start to, like we've been talking about, watching your words towards what you want and less than what you don't. You're speaking those words of positivity and empowerment and the things that you want to manifest. When you're mm-hmm. thinking the thoughts of possibility, when you're allowing yourself to be in that alignment with abundance, you're tapping into a field that's so much greater than your 4% self. So now you're playing with the quantum field. You're playing with energy, which is unlimited, Mm -hmm. which is completely full of pure potentiality. And so the energy of success that now flows through you is almost like, instead of just a a little stream, it's like a flooding ocean, right? It's like a fast moving ocean or a fast moving, um, river that takes you with it. And you get to be a co-create partner in that because you're evoking your true life partner, which is your divine self into Mm -hmm. the manifestation equation. So you're not just doing it by yourself, effort alone, physical, uh, you know, self alone. You're having the totality of who you are, the hundred percent, not just the 4% creating your desires. Yes. Mm. It's quantum physics. Yeah, it really is. And so I guess you explained there how we turn that into the manifestation piece. Mm -hmm. First of all, understanding that might be a good 
first step. And so dive deeper. There's a lot of ways I guess we can dive. Into oh, there's so many. Yeah. So what many are the steps? Yeah. So, yeah. so think of it this way. I just want to say this before we go into that is that okay. whenever we desire something, whenever we think of a goal, have an idea, you know, we have an intention, whatever you want to call that a dream. We, we want what we want because we think that we're either going to feel better in having it or that there's going to be a feeling associated with it. So if I get the guy, I will feel connected. Mm -hmm. If I get the pile of money, I'll feel successful or have security. You know, if I get this new accomplishment or this title, then I'll be credible. We think that there's going to be something when we go get something. And that's the, that's rub really is because when we feel we're missing something and we have to go get something in order to feel how many times have we gotten the thing? And it's like, yeah, well, that didn't do it mm -hmm. because we're creating from that place. We talked about lack, right? We're creating from that. I'm missing something. This is a thing that's going to fill me up. We go there. Well, that didn't fill me up. Right. Mm -hmm. The difference is understanding what, what do I really want and why, why do I want this mm -hmm. really evoking that multidimensionality part of you. Why am I wanting this? And then what's the essence of it? What am I, what feeling am I really after here? And when you understand that it's success, okay, well, you, great. Write the books, do the accomplishments, all that kind of stuff, but first feel the success mm -hmm. because we're in a holographic universe, any emotion, any feeling sense, any energy that's ever been experienced can be experienced by anybody. So I could tap in right now and say, I'd like to experience a ray of joy mm -hmm. and then allow myself to get into receiving mode, receiving mode of that. And then just start experiencing what joy in my body feel like. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go do anything. I didn't have to go make anything. I didn't have to create anything in order to experience that joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we have a resistance to that. It feels like a, some reason a story as a, collective culture we've been telling ourselves is that we have to have something tangible we have to have proof you know the science theory or scientism you know it becomes this like religion of we have to be able to see it in order to experience it and now with this onset of meditation and these other tools that we can use to 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 look inward or to even ask our inner you know, watcher, let's call it, to allow us to experience these things that are at our disposal at all times is finally, I think, coming around and we're finally getting to this place as a whole, you know, as a culture, um, especially here in the West, where we're remembering a lot of the Eastern psychology, a lot of the Eastern tools. Uh, again, we're remembering really not, you know, we're not learning them for the first time. This is just us like coming back and going like, oh yeah, we forgot those. Those are really critical to us being happy, healthy people. <laughs> yes. So that's and beautiful. isn't it interesting because we can feel an emotion, mm -hmm. right? So feel it, it's real. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You, can't, you feel like you can't even get out of it usually when you're in the depths of anger, you know, or the heat yeah. of desire and all those things. So because we can't touch it or taste it or experience it with our five senses, but we can feel it as it is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. So, um, I think it's 
it's hard to hold the idea that we manifest our realities, including all the terrible things, um, especially when we're talking about something as terrible as being raped or being abused. Uh, you know, the list goes on of the terrible things that people experience. So how can we better understand this concept of the law of attraction in a situation like that? Well, you know, I want to say this because it's not like anybody ever goes and tries to deliberately create things that are abusive or hurtful or traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are in an attraction-based universe and we're not in a assertion-based universe, we do attract all of our experiences to us. So, but most of us do by not understanding doing it by default, not understanding where our, I mean, look at what's going on right now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like we've all attracted this from the level of disconnection and divisiveness and anxiety that people have been feeling for the last couple of years. Yeah. And you're speaking and, to coronavirus just because this is going to air later. So just, yeah, what's yeah, happening right so now? We're all on exactly, lockdown. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, people are like, oh my God, how can this happen? It, it's no wonder, mm-hmm. but hopefully we'll bring everybody because I don't care if you're in Italy, if you're in Germany, in the United States, Canada, we're all unlocked. Like you said, we're on lockdown. Yeah. We're all in this it's a global thing. problem. It's a global thing that all humans right now on the planet are experiencing. It doesn't matter if you're African-American or Caucasian, it doesn't yeah. matter the country you live in, doesn't matter if you're female, it, it doesn't matter. We're all experiencing as a universal experience. Yeah. And hopefully this brings everybody together because lately we've been divisive and, and was needed to crack open, whether it's the Me Too movement and having more women's rights or, you know, that have been happening, um, African-American rights and, and, you know, the Republican versus Democrats, we're all people. And, and we all have to understand that all of us have a power in us and we all have power to attract things to us or repel things from us. Like Melanie told me that first day I sat in front of her. Yeah. And if we want to continue to create things that we don't want, we do have to become energy masters. We have to pay attention to how we feel, what we're thinking, where are we focusing our free will faith? Either is the faith of what we want or on the fear of what we don't. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand first of all that, that we have created in our past, it's like a hangover. You know, you have a night out with your girlfriends, you go have a few two cosmos too much. The next day you feel the hangover. When we attract things we don't want, it's a hangover of bad yeah. thinking from before. Mm. Really? And so we don't want to keep having hangover of things. We need to look at our outer reality and going, okay, that's clear what I don't want. And mm. since I don't want to continue to create something like that, how do I need to love myself more? How do I need to connect with my divine more? How do I need to be more conscious of how I'm treating myself and what I'm thinking about and how I'm loving others or how, if I'm being critical or condemning, or if I'm being accepting and loving and I'm being compassionate. I mean, it really is an opportunity to really focus. Now, I'll say this because people have, you know, that don't know me, my, what do you know, right? I've had my sister commit suicide. I have my two-month-old baby who's now nine and very healthy, have to be rushed to the hospital and have open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. I've been fired from a job. I've gone through a divorce. You know, I've had a lot of different, I've been in massive debt. I mean, I've had a lot of things that from a human perspective, people will go, that's pretty traumatic or that's something I definitely don't want to experience. But knowing this information, it didn't make contrast not 
come into my life or mm-hmm. didn't make me not attract it, but it made the process of overcoming it more elegant and so mm-hmm. much more easy. Yeah. So, Grace and you know, no, really yeah, I mean, wherever you are in your journey, it doesn't mean that you're never, ever going to experience contrast again. Look at what all of us are experiencing right now. It's a contrast. But where meets the road is how to navigate. Where are you putting your thoughts? What word are you saying? What are you feeling during these times? And what, importantly, we as all human beings have the ability to vision. Mm-hmm. We have our imagination. We have our ability to get, connect with our future selves. Seeing our future selves thriving seeing this being a jump off point, we can live in a more acted reality with each other and be more harmonious, mm-hmm. live as we're divinely designed to live in our supportive and loving relationships with everybody, our neighbor. And so this is an opportunity that all of us have in every moment and look at something that happens and go, okay, this is not what I want. What do I want? instead? Yeah. what do I want? How do I want to feel? What do I want? because we all have that ability to do it seems to we spend so much time focusing on the saying this isn't what I want but then we spend very little time actually designing what it is we do want and you know creating a really clear picture crisp picture of what it is we do want and um, that goal setting is a is a skill in itself but I did want to, I don't know if you've, you've already touched on this a bit and maybe you can expand on it a bit. Why do we have to experience pain in order to experience change as humans? You think that's well, always going to be the way or we'll find a better way? It doesn't need to be. You know, I always say to my clients, if you have a child, right? It's not like, like when I have a child, I don't want my, I want them to learn and I certainly don't want them to learn pain. Mm-hmm. but they're going to attract experiences that have the contrast. We live in a world of where they experience pain to experience joy. It's not like we're going, you know, that person needs to have pain in order to experience joy, mm-hmm. but here we have polarity. Mm-hmm. And so it's from pain that we can either keep going back to the pain, mm-hmm. learning from those, those things and keep hitting that up or we go, okay, enough. I'm clear now I want to create in joy. I'm clear I don't want to be with bad boys anymore. I want to be with someone that, you know, is loyal and committed and, and understands love and, and is willing to be open and vulnerable or, you know, I'm tired of wrestling around with money. I want to be abundantly provided for. Mm-hmm. I mean, our original divine design is literally to be in health and well-being. It takes a lot of effort on our part to not be in well-being. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of effort to not be in abundance because that's our original divine design. Our cells are coded for that. Our, our cells are coded to be a creative divine with our divine self and to have creative self-expression and to whatever you create a book or a program or a podcast or whatever, to have creation leading to success, whatever success means for us. And to have all loving relationships starting with us, because we have to start with our, if we're condemning ourselves and criticizing ourselves and beating ourselves up or calling ourselves stupid or all these things, we're being loving and supportive even with ourselves and all relationships start inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's possible to create through joy. Will contrast still show up? Yeah. But then it's an opportunity to go, ooh. I don't want that, this instead, and then turn all of your attention and focus in the direction of what you do want. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for saying that. I needed that permission. <laughs> this is the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two. We'll see you there. It's the magic hour. Mercedes and Jay.